Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom from Jerusalem. To all our viewers, welcome to another edition of Middle East Review from TV7. With me, as usual, my friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Ron Lerman, also Colonel Reserve. We have, like usual, a lot on our plate. Many things have uh, happened in the past uh, few weeks and, and days. And Iran, uh, I would like to uh, start with uh, what is today really on the front burner, which is Iran deal, yes or no. It seems like uh, there are more and more reports that uh, a deal is going to be signed. Uh, so what do you take of it? Is it going to be signed? And if it is, what are the ramifications for Israel, the Middle East, and uh, I would say the international uh, community at large? Well, clearly the Americans are indicating the Iranians went back on certain demands. Uh, whether the IRGC will be dropped from, uh, or you know, delisted. The Revolutionary Guard, the yeah. The Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps will be delisted from the terror list. This is probably not going to happen. Uh, and there are other things that, uh, that uh, the, the Iranians may have uh, compromised uh, on. Uh, we still have to find out uh, how real is the ability to put uh, behind us, so to speak, uh, the uh, possible military dimensions of the Iranian program, the ongoing um, inquiry or, or, or let's say uh, research that uh, uh, the IAEA is conducted, the International Atomic Energy Agency is conducting into the, the activities of Iran in the military nuclear field. The three files, as they yeah, are known. As they say, yes. And uh, Grossi has made it very clear that it is not going to be From dropped. the IAEA, yeah. Yeah, his uh, chair. Uh, the Iranians have been adamant in the past. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, this is one of the most important elements from an Israeli point of view. Sure, if, if they really give them a blank check on these nuclear activities, illegal, of course, that they cheated about in the three uh, military sites, this is going to actually uh, hurt a lot and delegitimize IAEA. It's going to pull the, the, the rug under the IAEA authority. It could very well have very severe consequences across the region and beyond, because if the, the barriers of the NPT uh, crack for the second time, a cross crack after the North Korean uh, crisis, then uh, the whole thing, the dam may break and we, we could move to a world of many nuclear powers, a very frightening proposition. Uh, Israel is going to see to, uh, how much or how far it can hold the United States to the promise uh, made by President Biden during his visit in July in the Jerusalem Declaration that the United States will use all means to prevent Iran from having a weapon. And in this respect, uh, Israel's main reservation uh, may well be the uh, 
item in the original JCPOA that limited the capacity to act against the Iranian program, uh, whether by cyber means, other um, tools in the, the toolkit, let's not be too specific, or even ultimately uh, by a major attack. Israel will make it very clear to the United States over the next days and weeks uh, that it reserves the right uh, to act. This is this has a political dimension in Israel because the, uh, the leader of the opposition, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, made this a key element of his strategy when he was prime minister, and he would uh, uh, leap at any opportunity to uh, accuse the mm -hmm. present government of being weak on Iran. And it is, uh, but in, in essence, there is no difference between the position taken by Prime Minister and also no difference in the result. If indeed there will be a signed agreement, it's uh, the same uh, game over, uh, as it was in 2015. Under Netanyahu, it's fair to say that to, Netanyahu also failed he to, failed uh, to prevent uh, to stop the uh, agreement. Indeed, uh, he did, uh, he did uh, appear in Congress. Uh, he, he made it into a confrontational um, political issue in, in Washington. This was not the strategy of the present government which conducted a very uh, serious dialogue with the U.S. Because leaders. some say, uh, mostly uh, former defense and prime minister Ehud Barak, that the whole strategy in 2015 by Israel was a mistake because it was pretty much a done deal. Israel could not do much to prevent a deal, but the strategy should have been different. Yes, we understand there is going to be a deal, but we need a compensation for that. And, um, and we did get... Uh, at the uh, a year or two years afterwards, a ten-year um, yeah, package, uh, which was very nice. But some say that this package could have been almost fifty percent uh, higher had we been working with the Obama administration and not against. It's a good question, uh, but it's beside the point right now. The question is how does it, how does Israel reserve its right? to act if but necessary, also, if the Iranians start once again inching towards but uh, my question a, a, a pile yeah. of fissile material that could be used for a bomb. But based on the precedents of 2015, would it not be um, wiser from Israel to acquiesce very, very, of course, uh, tacitly, but demand much, much better uh, uh, cooperation, coordination with the United States uh, in terms of intelligence sharing to, you know, strengthen and also, of course, um, get some uh, materials that, uh, you know, could offset or could enable, if we need to, to take uh, a military action. Well, there's clearly the question of certain, there are certain uh, uh capabilities that Israel cannot deliver because it doesn't, uh, they can only hang under a, a B-2 bomber. Exactly. But, uh, but there are other things that we can do. And in any case, reserving our right to act and our high profile of willingness and capability to act uh, is also very important to our relationship with our Abraham Accord uh, partners and with Saudi Arabia, which is Tacit, a tacit relationship under the table still, 
but it is a very, uh, uh, I would say, central aspect of, uh, of uh, regional balance that Israel and Saudi Arabia look at the Iranian threat in much the same way. Mm-hmm. And the Gulf, the key Gulf player, look to Israel as the only power other than the United States itself, which does not seem right. to be willing to do so. Israel is the only power that can actually act against Iran decisively. And this has been the underlying driver behind the entire relationship. We demonstrate this on a daily basis, not by words, but in action, uh, over Syria. It's very dramatic because our relations with Russia are not as good as they used to be because of uh, our stance on the Ukrainian war. And nevertheless, we take the risk day in, day out, uh, in the context of what is called uh, CBW, the campaign between the wars, Mabam by its Hebrew initials. We strike targets in uh, sometimes very close to to the Russian uh, base in Tartos, uh, very cl- in, in, uh, very close to the heart of Damascus, sure. Damascus National Airport, etc. International Airport, etc. In order to prevent Iranian buildup on our northern border, yeah. And by the way, interestingly, the re- retaliation by the Iranians has been against the Americans in yes. eastern Syria, which do which not respond. Am- oh, they did. They struck back. Oh, it yeah, but back, not, uh, they, 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 it did not affect their relationship uh, in Vienna, mm-hmm. uh, their talks in Vienna, but they did strike back in, uh, in Syria. So uh, the relationship with Iran is becoming increasingly paradoxical. It's a war in some ways that even the Americans are involved in, and it is a diplomatic quest in other, me- other ways. It's uh, the, the central command of the United States military is very much with Israel and with the Gulf states uh, in building the capacity, in, in, in integrating the capacities of the region against Iran. They don't look at Iran as a friend. They look mm-hmm, at Iran mm-hmm. as an adversary. What they're saying is, we, we, let's buy time by delaying the nuclearization, the military, the break towards a military capacity. Um, the question at the end of the day is, what are we going to do with the time we gain? Right. I think this is the only maybe um, upside is more time gained, if indeed an agreement is signed. Of course, the downside is that uh, the agreement does not include the support of terrorism of Iran, does not include the ballistic missile testing. And we know that the type of ballistic missiles that the Iranians are testing are are, uh, designed for only one purpose and one purpose only, which is to put a nuclear and non-conventional, let's say, nuclear warhead on their uh, their top. So with these two things, Iran can continue and uh, and move forward and just uh, wait for them to break through the uh, the um, you know the um, the weapon group to try to you know when they want to weaponize their enriched uh, uranium um, but i think from a broader perspective i think the risk of course the dangers here are that iran is going to be now scot free out of sanctions 100 billion dollars of frozen assets in the west are going to go into Iran, hundreds of billions more of dollars, petrodollars, from their selling of, of oil. All this huge money is going to, A, go into their war machine. You know, during the sanction, the linears, they stopped or they actually reduced their support, financial support to Hezbollah and Hamas by 50%. Yep. This is going to go up. This is very dangerous. But also, in the larger context, it's going to strengthen the political legitimacy 
of this regime inside Iran. And we know that right now there are a lot of uh, discontent uh, over there because of the dire economic situation. And unfortunately, this also will strengthen Iran's position in the region, whereby we see and we know how the region, you know, shifting uh, dunes, we already see the Emirates are going to uh, exchange uh, ambassadors with uh, Iran. Saudi Arabia are just There's a dialogue playing. over Iraq that so, can expand uh, to other yeah, things. So, so uh, again, I think that the, the downside is, is certainly outweighs the upside, but certainly this may lead into uh, necessity at some point to take a military action or any others. And there comes the issue of legitimacy. And here, uh, Iran, I would say that... Uh, we have dealt with that in the past, you know. Always Israel seeks, uh, seeks uh, legitimacy. But if you have on the one hand legitimacy, international legitimacy, or national security, uh, existential threats, always the existential threats will take priority and will deal with the, uh, with the uh, legitimacy later. Um, as, the, as they say, uh, it's better to ask forgiveness than to ask permission. Yes, because we are not going... No, uh, and we've done it in the past in Osirak. When we yes, did that, the Americans were very angry, all the way to uh, sanctions. And, uh, for a while. They, for a while. And then they grew out of it. And not only that... They learned to appreciate they the gift more they were and given. More, especially in 91, when they had to uh, go into the Gulf War. So we need to retain our freedom of action. And interestingly, at the uh, we... we had uh, this episode with Palestinian Islamic Jihad, uh, 55-hour um, conflict uh, with, with them, and uh, the result was uh, quite resoundingly one-sided. They had they suffered heavy losses. Israel did not lose uh, um, any lives. There were some people uh, slightly wounded or, or, or hurt when running for shelter, but the total failure of the... the rocket campaign and the effectiveness of Israeli penetration, intelligence penetration, and then ordnance penetration uh, to their targets was, that was remarkable. remarkable. And equally remarkable was the um, unanimous language used by the, the three men who led the, uh, and commanded this operation, by the way, without consulting the cabinet, uh, namely Prime Minister Lapid, Defense Minister Gantz, and Chief of Staff Aviv Kochavi, they all said the same thing. From Tehran to Khan Yunus, we will not hesitate to take preventive action if necessary. They were sending a very powerful message to the Iranians that we would not be constrained if we feel the need to act. It is also clearly a message specifically between Khan Yunus and Tehran to Hezbollah in Lebanon, <laughs> right. over, specifically over the rising tensions in the Eastern Mediterranean uh, on the question of uh, gas extraction. Right. And as you mentioned, uh, Hezbollah, uh, there is a heightened tension with Hezbollah up north. Uh, what's uh, at stake today is the oil rig that Israel moved into its own territorial economic waters. It's called Karish. Yeah, exclusive economic zone. It's not the economic in territorial zone, right. waters. It's right, in economic zone, easy. absolutely. In its uh, own, in, which is undisputable, indisputable that it's within our well, economic zone. 
They don't underestimate the capacities capacity of the Lebanese to dispute anything, even know, if it's right. totally absurd. Their line twenty nine right, is right. simply a, a an invention right. That, right. that that seeks to meander, uh, so that Karish is also cut in the middle or something. It's right. it's a, it's a sheer act of fantasy, right. political fantasy. Right. The most Lebanese uh, understand understand that. Line 23 is already an exaggeration, but it is something that Israel maybe would be willing to live with. In, in or some something kind of, in between. Between but, uh, our line one yeah. and their line 23. But line 29, further south, is a joke. Yes. Uh, and and, and even the that, Americans who mediate understand that, and categorically they told the Lebanese to forget about it. But I would like to look again... Hassan Nasrallah may have other motivations. Okay, that's a good question. On the face of it, one could be a psychological warfare and maybe uh, a potential political gain for him. You know, he can say because of the uh, Hezbollah threats, the agreement is much better for Lebanon. Israel was deterred and gave up. You know, nobody knows the real details. So this could be one thing which in many cases is the, uh, I would say, is the positive, you know, relatively positive scenario. scenario. The negative scenario is that, again, uh, Hezbollah is actually acting on commands from Tehran for Iranians' interest, A, to put pressure both on Israel and the P5 uh, plus one, you know, to, uh, to be more, I would say, flexible and sign the deal with Iran, uh, or maybe even longer term to prevent Israel from um, getting its, uh, its oil. And here, I think the Lebanese also have a great uh, interest. Actually, to, uh, to uh, and, and that's what Israel says. You dig your own oil. It's good for you. Yes, it's good do. for everyone. Um, but Hezbollah has different... Uh, how do you read the Hezbollah's position? Well, uh, we all hope that he's just posturing in order to say, I saved Lebanon because the Lebanese no longer really know what this is, you know, what Hezbollah is doing for them. I, uh, sometimes I have, uh, I, I, I have the impression that the greatest threat in this whole gas situation for Hezbollah is that the Lebanese people will realize that Israel means no harm, that Israel is interest in their, uh, interested in their well-being. And once they realize that, what do they need Hezbollah for? Mm-hmm. He, he's supposed to defend them from an Israeli enemy, but if Israel is not the enemy, why should they suffer so much to sustain uh, a militia outside government control, uh, serving the interests of a foreign power, if the threat is not real. So this is a very delicate moment for Hezbollah to define what they are there for. And if they insist on being Iran's, uh, let's say, proxies, rather than uh, being the, serving the national interests of, of the people of Lebanon, then uh, we may have a blow up over, and, and if they try to strike uh, uh, the uh, um, this ship <coughs> that produces gas from, uh, from the Karish field, we may find ourselves, as uh, Defense Minister Gantz said, in a, uh, in a, sh- a serious shootout. It's very serious, very serious, absolutely. And uh, again, unfortunately, uh, we don't hear a word from the Lebanese government, which is a defunct government. Actually, they are also in a political impasse over there. You know, uh, Lebanese uh, politics is probably the most uh, 
corrupt, I would say, uh, and, and, and complex. And Hezbollah, of course, they have the, uh, the um, I would say, the upper hand because they have the, the means, the, 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 you know, all the, the, the weapons that they get and the finances they get from uh, Iran. <clears throat> it certainly is Israel's um, uh, interest that the Lebanese will also have an oil rig of their uh, themselves in their economic uh, waters. And then I think there is kind of a... The Kana uh, field. Exactly. And there is a, um, a, a joint uh, interest for that. It's um, a win-win, situ- classical win-win situation. Yeah. And moreover, Israel is also willing to facilitate the uh, passage of exactly. Israeli gas mm-hmm. <coughs> via Egypt, Jordan, Syria to Lebanon to help uh, alleviate the, the really serious energy problem that and they have. And as you said... Somebody said, molecule, uh, gas molecules don't come with flags on <laughs> And if that happens, the Lebanese will understand that Israel means no harm, quite the contrary, uh, and helping them substantially, and that could be a, um, a real threat to Hezbollah which are acting up. Let's hope that um, the um, negotiations will uh, conclude soon in a positive way. I think we need to see here an, an American leadership, which uh, which they have to be more decisive. Uh, I know the uh, go-between. We, I know Amos, the, the Amos, broker Amos so Ostein, so we know him, I, yeah. I think here he, he should put his foot down and I think that may be the, the, the way to, uh, to finish this, this issue. But in any case, from Israel's point of view, it will not allow anybody right, to, uh, <laughs> to uh, disenfranchise us from our own assets and certainly not to hurt or, or, or to damage our, um, our oil rig. Uh, I believe Hezbollah should know it, and Nasrallah should also understand well, that. In case he didn't understand it, the Israeli leadership has been very clear, unambiguous. Uh, uh, Our Minister of uh, Energy, who's a remarkable person, by the way, uh, in her wheelchair-bound woman, but uh, uh, left a very impressive mark in negotiations with Egypt, Karin Al-Harar, and she now says very clearly, uh, we are going to produce from Karish, it's going to greatly increase uh, our national income, but it is also definitely and unquestionably within our rights. Right. And uh, that should begin uh, quite soon. And And it's part of the new equation in the Eastern Mediterranean. See, uh, 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 Nasrallah already made his miscalculation, huge one, in 2006. And the deterrence works until now, 16 years. But maybe it just uh, faded over time. Or, again, the Iranians have their ulterior motives to heighten up Tension again. We said their interest vis-à-vis the Vienna Agreement, um, and also vis-à-vis uh, Lebanon. Maybe they also feel that uh, they can risk Hezbollah now, because they were they are free of the fear of an Israeli attack on Iran. But uh, they should uh, be put on warning. Exactly. That they may be misreading the Israeli uh, mood mm-hmm. and the consequences of Israeli po- of Israeli political turmoil. On these questions, uh, ranging from the nuclear project, Iranian nuclear project, to Karish, there's no daylight between left and right, between the opposition and the coalition in Israel. Absolutely. And again, here, just to sum up this, uh, this issue, I think we need, the keys are pretty much in Washington. We need to see decisive leadership. 
and um, resolution, you know, a resolute position. And hopefully this will be behind us soon for the benefit of everybody, the Lebanese and the Israelis, and also the Europeans, by the way. Sure, because, who stand uh, to gain because the, right, the, anything that can replace uh, the, the exactly. habit, the Russian habit. Exactly. And here we come to another major development in the region, and this is Turkey and Israel are going to exchange ambassadors. After, uh, after uh, a long four period. years of mm-hmm. four years of uh, of uh, uh, reducing the level of there was an embassy in both places, but right, there were no ambassadors. Right. And we see. Um, <coughs> do you see any symmetry? You know, we mentioned before that the Emirates and Iran are going to exchange ambassadors. Now, Israel and Turkey, on the other hand, also exchange ambassadors. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see any symmetry here where everybody's playing with everyone else? Well, the, the, the sharp cleavage between the camps in the region, the camp led by uh, Turkey with its association with Muslim Brotherhood elements and so on, uh, versus our camp, the camp of stability, which encompasses Israel and the Gulfies and Egypt and Morocco and so on. Um, I think these uh, the, the, the lines have been blurred a bit. Uh, there are certain countries which play both sides, like Jordan today, to some extent, Iraq. Um, the, the, the two dramatic things that really drove the Turkish change, I believe, First of all, the economic, dire economic situation there, 73% inflation, the Turkish lira is going quickly to... Uh, to the toilet, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> that's, used, that's a brutal imagery. And, uh, and Erdogan is uh, seriously looking at the possibility that this would lose him the presidential election of 2023. For the first time, he's in jeopardy for the because last 20 of years. the economy. Mm-hmm. And, and it was the economy which built up the AKP, all this... These, these uh, people who moved from the Getcha Kunduz, from the, the Daya, uh, you call slums or favelas, is uh, the equivalent uh, in the in the big cities to high rises with small flats in high rises and a decent middle lower middle income. income. Uh, Turkey has changed, and now uh, much of this is being lost to uh, ca- catastrophic economic mismanagement. So he needs, frankly, he needs friends in the Gulf. And the Emirates wisely, they play all play they, with all with everyone except maybe Daesh, but they play with all players, and then uh, and they offered Turkey uh, ten billion dollars uh, to shore up uh, its its uh, its uh, economy and economy and, and mm-hmm. its uh, mm-hmm. currency, and uh, this is the ultimate irony today. To be a friend of uh, the Gulf, you need to be a friend of Israel as well. Absolutely. It's the uh, reverse of what it used to be yes. just a few years ago. Yes. Add to this the fact that he's come to a deal with Egypt on Libya. Mm-hmm. He's no longer in, in direct confrontation. From the Israeli point of view, the main thing is, can we move Turkey a notch away from Iran? Can we use our Azeri connection, where we stood side by side mm-hmm. helping the Azeris, mm-hmm. um, to move Turkey to a less, uh, to a colder mm-hmm. uh, shoulder towards Iran. This could be one of the keys to the next stages of the game. Yes. And again, this is a bigger game as we see it. Everything is pretty much uh, interconnected. And I think this is a good sign for Israel. It's also increasing its uh, position here. And it shows the, the Gulf countries that, you know, we have our uh, way to also deal with 
another major power, Turkey. As of long course, as we don't abandon our Greek and Absolutely. Superior. This is the, the point. And I think at the end of the day, it's a good thing also for Europe. Maybe this uh, uh, abundance of uh, gas that we have can flow to Europe either through Greece or through Turkey. Well, this pretty much concludes our edition. Thank you very much, and we'll see you the next time. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.